Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Venus and Sappho Walk Into a Bar, written by Vanessa Desaad. Sensual Tales Meant to be Savored Venus and Sappho Walk Into a Bar is a collection of sensual stories with mostly sapphic themes, or at least overtones. Much like Vanessa Desaad's other work, the writing is so literate that it is easy to forget that you're actually listening to erotica. This is an audiobook to be savored, perhaps with a glass of good quality wine. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Venus and Sappho Walk Into a Bar. Venus and Sappho Walk Into a Bar Forty years had seen them grow fat together, like two buxom cottage loaves. Four decades of runny cheeses on crimped leaves, dotted with plump black olives. Carafe after carafe of burgundy that swilled lazily in their crystal glasses like pomegranate nectar. Moist, crumbling fruitcake, consumed during the writing of innumerable novels. And oh, all that chocolate with lascivious love poetry read aloud long into the wee small hours in bed each night. Cassandra still remembers her first sight of Poppy like it was yesterday. Clamoring onto a number 49 bus, a pile of scruffy tenpenny paperbacks slithering under her arm, her ancient denim bag with the hand-appliqued CND symbol hanging precariously over her other shoulder, the black-knitted hat with the two woolly pom-poms that made her look like a mouseketeer, red polka-dot shirt that was way too short for those stocky little legs, deliberately mismatched socks, one red, one white, Huge thrift store platform shoes that she could hardly walk in. Cassandra thinks that she fell in love with her on the spot, though Poppy always says that's nonsense. It didn't happen until at least their second date. Poppy had flopped down on the seat beside her, the two of them drawn to each other like kissing magnets, and they had exclaimed at the similarity of the books they were carrying, talked about politics and literature and the Angela Davis campaign and Cassandra had deliberately missed her stop and pretended that she was catching a connecting service at Poppy's departure point, and then had to walk miles in the opposite direction to get back to her college. And she didn't even care. They had arranged to meet that evening, and it seemed like the most natural thing in the world when Poppy kissed her, and she responded in kind. And they had ended up going back to Poppy's flat, which looked like a pigsty, although she always swore that she'd cleaned it in preparation. And like the age-old joke, they had practically driven to their second date in a removal van and had been together ever since. Cassandra the homemaker, disciplined and precise. Poppy the vagabond, a rebellious mass of disorder. Yin to each other's yang. Two halves of the same whole. Lovers, colleagues, friends. Life could not have been more perfect for the two of them until the incident with the au pair. And in fairness, it had been Cassandra's idea to employ the girl. Poppy had been against it right from the start, but Cassie was about to turn 60 and was getting sick of picking up after her lover. They had never done the marriage thing, even though it was legal now. And so Poppy had reluctantly agreed to take the little French girl into their home for a trial period. And Claudine had been as good as she was billed, the place suddenly shining like a new pin, Dirty clothing washed and ironed and put away in the wardrobe. Books shelved in alphabetical order. Papers stacked neatly on each of their desks. Pencils sharpened. Surfaces dusted. Poppy loathed it. She raged at the sight of her tidy desk 
and threw her books and papers defiantly onto the floor, only to find them painstakingly restored the next day. She left her dirty dishes in the sink, the toilet unflushed, but all to no avail, and when she remonstrated with Cassandra, the latter simply laughed. So she tried a new tactic. The girl was stealing from them, she said. Nothing major, of course. Nothing that need concern the police, but things, little things. An open packet of fags was missing a couple of cigarettes. Cans of food were going missing. Biscuit packets were going down exponentially. Bars of soap were being pilfered from the bathroom. Slices taken from the imported Swedish cake that she kept in a tin in her study. You're imagining things, Papa Bear. Cassandra laughed, indulgently though, to be honest, feeling exceptionally stressed as the deadline for her latest novel loomed ever nearer. Leave the girl and just enjoy being looked after. But Poppy couldn't leave it alone. And to Cassie's horror, she went out and bought a nanny cam, a hideous-looking teddy bear with a glaringly obvious lens in one eye, and placed it pointedly on the bookshelf in her study, poring over the tapes of Claudine cleaning each night, desperate to find some misdemeanor to rid their household of this interloper. And Claudine, to give her her due, tolerated the insult for over a week, while Cassandra struggled with galley proofs and a hysterical cover designer whose very voice induced migraine symptoms in her pounding head, until they came home that cold Friday to find the house in darkness and their little housekeeper gone. "'What did you go and say to her, Poppy?' Cassandra wailed, almost accusingly. But Poppy shook her head in bewilderment until they both saw the awful teddy lying mutilated on her study floor, its one good eye ripped out, and its stuffing oozing over the carpet like cold silver mucus. "'Oh, shit,' Cassie whispered very quietly as they fiddled with the tape, eventually getting it to play. An image, an image of Claudine sprawled on Poppy's sofa filling the screen, her skirt hitched up around her waist, her big hairy cunt splayed open like a ripe fig as she masturbated aggressively into the camera, coming hard and long before expending two wet and slippery fingers toward her watchers, in a gesture that emphatically tendered her resignation. Neither commented on the tape, but the sex between them that night was amazing. Their lovemaking, which had never been stale, reaching astronomical new heights, desperate and fervid, Poppy raining kisses down on Cassie's burning skin like something out of a cheap novel, their eventual climaxes pyrotechnic, their afterglow pulsating and fulfilling. Cassandra had never been so happy or felt so desired until Poppy wanted to watch the tape again the following evening. So all that last night? That was for her, not for me? She shouted, no screamed accusingly, as she stood by their bed in just her sweater and a tiny pair of panties, tears running down her cheeks. No, Cassie, no, Poppy had pleaded, trying to hug her but being sharply rebuffed. The film turned me on, yes, but everything else was for you, not her. I never even wanted her here in the first place, and I'm ecstatic that she's gone. Then why watch it again? Because she's got a great cunt? Poppy tried, realizing it was the wrong thing to say as soon as the words tumbled clumsily out of her mouth. Oh, Cassie, we watched porn together before and you've always enjoyed it. That was porn. This is different. This is you getting excited, looking at someone we know. Now I'm wondering what else you were doing with her when my back was turned. Poppy smiles a sad smile and hands Cassie the tape. Here, destroy it. Watch it. Do whatever you want with it. It's my gift to you. I don't care. It's you I want. Always has been. Always will be. 
promise crossed my heart. But you had others, didn't you, before me? You're asking this now, after 40 years? I know you fucked other people before me. From day one, you knew what to do, how it all worked. Yes. That's it? Yes? That's all you've got to say? What else do you want me to say? Did I have other girls before you? Yes. Who were they? I have no idea. It was decades ago. I can't remember. But I can remember you, your scent on that first day. Cussin's imperial leather and Vaucine shampoo. The feel of your skin and how you goose-pimpled like a schoolgirl when I undressed you. How scared you were, but how horny, too. The way that you came and came when I touched you for the first time. And those silly little holly-hobby knickers with the days of the week written on them. God, I so loved hauling them off you and kissing your little white bum. Cassandra laughs in spite of herself. My mother bought me those. I think she got them in the Marks and Spencer sale. I don't think she ever visualized another woman ripping them off me, though. Come here, you idiot, Poppy smiled, pulling Cassie to her. I love you so much. Prove it. Prove it? How? By fucking me like you fucked me last night, hauling my stupid knickers off me and fucking me silly. What? Like this? Cassandra let out a groan as she felt her pants being yanked to the floor feeling the hot shiver go through her as she always experienced whenever Poppy looked at her cunt. Rub your face in my bush. You know the way I like it. You always come when I do that, Poppy complained as she circled the soft, warm moss of Cassandra's pussy with kisses. Then make me come. That's your punishment. You're a randy old bitch, aren't you? Poppy laughed as she pressed her face into the fragrant fur and inhaled. No tongues or kisses, just face against Fanny. Cassandra would come in a couple of minutes. She always did. I can't believe that no one else had plucked you before I got to you. Cassandra moaned. Use your nails on my bum, she whispered, sidestepping the question, her mind a million miles away. She is 16 years old, small for her age, but very well developed. She has seen the men who ought to know better, looking at her tits when they think her back is turned. Heard the crude comments from boys at her school felt the hostility of other girls still awaiting their own boob deliveries. And the woman in her ice-blue Austin princess smells of French cigarettes and department store perfume. Her slubby blue Parisian suit, expensive but well-worn. A distinctive gold brooch to the lapel, like a perpetual spray of spring flowers. Cassandra thinks that she must be lost and looking for directions as the car pulls up beside her. And the woman slowly winds her window down. Her lips are full. Soft, Cassie thinks. A pale lipstick has been applied earlier today, but mostly licked off. A light perm ruffling her cinnamon-colored hair. Big hazel eyes, alert and hungry. Wolverine. The road is quite deserted now, though it's only half-past four on a raw March afternoon. A sharp wind turning the naked trees into skeletal dancers against the white sky that's threatening snow. Cassandra's is the last house down an old road that doesn't particularly lead anywhere, and there's never usually any traffic on it for obvious reasons. Can I give you a lift, darling? The woman says with a lazy smile, a slight trace of an accent in her voice like the deceptive purring of a big cat, her eyes wide and inviting. It's an awfully cold day to be out and about. Thanks, no, I just live down the lane, Cassandra says, shaking her head though she can feel the warmth of the car's interior calling to her like a mermaid song, the intoxicating scent of the lush woman inside. 
the pheromone pull of freshly lit gatanes and fading French perfume. But it's such a miserable day. Let me take you somewhere, baby doll, buy you a coffee or maybe a hot chocolate. Lots of cream on top? Would you like that? Just the two of us? Cassandra shudders with pleasure. She thinks that the woman smells like oven-fresh bread and wants to spread her with butter and then lick it off her pale gold skin. Smoke galoises with her in the nude and go back to whatever depraved lair the woman has waiting. But her good sense prevails, and she says no when the car drives off again, leaving her bereft at the roadside, experiencing sensations that she doesn't even know her body is capable of. And over the ensuing years, she has often fantasized about being naked in a gingerbread house and about a wicked witch with big brown eyes who would lure her into the depths of her soft brown sugar-scented tunnel. And later, when she was old enough to know how to touch herself properly, she would slowly go through every debauched page of the delicious catalog of all the oh-so-disgusting things that were being planned for her doubtless tied and naked sugar baby body within that candy cottage's crumbling sticky walls. "'I'm going to come!' she screamed at Poppy. "'I know,' replied the other. "'I always know.'" We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Venus and Sappho Walk Into a Bar. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.